Well, welcome everyone to a very special Creative Floor Awards podcast. This one's actually about one of our award shows and who'd have thought it after three years of doing this podcast, we'd actually get around to doing that. So we've just had our 2020 and 2021 results come out. It's been another bloodbath, so massive congratulations to all the finalists and all the winners. But today, we have our biggest winners of the show, they're McCann Health. McCann Health New York won the most awarded agency and McCann Health won the most awarded network. It's the first time in our eight years that we've ever had both an agency and agency network win both of those awards. So I'm really, really chuffed to be joined by some of the team that made that possible. We've got the Global Chief Creative Officer of McCann Health, Matt Eastwood. You all right, Matt? Yeah. Hi, Shahid. Good to see you, speak to you again. Yeah. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very well. You're very absolutely chuffed to um, have this uh, acknowledgement. It's amazing. Okay, are you at your lake, lake house today? Uh, I'm actually in the city for oh. a, a rare moment. <laughs> yeah, so I know. It's bizarre. So. I was uh, I was hoping of stealing one of your lake house photos on Facebook, and printing it out, and just sticking it on my white wall and pretend I'm you for a little bit. But, um... Oh, I know, I do, I do miss it every moment I'm away. I mean, as much as I love Manhattan, it's not, uh, it's not the same as waking up on a lake. Well, I'm sure it's nice to be back into town anyway. It is, it is. Yeah, it's cool. And we're also, we've got the executive creative directors of McCann Health New York, Stephanie Berman and Josh Grossberg. You right, guys? Awesome. Nice to be here, Shahid. Yeah, great. Thank you for having us, Shahid. This is your first time on a Creative Floor podcast, I think, isn't it, Stephanie and Josh? It is. It is. And why is that? But you know what? We're here with events. So. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be your last, I'm sure of it. It's, uh, well, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you. And thanks for joining. Well, let me let me first of all congratulate you wholeheartedly you set a record for the amount of finalists you've set a record for being the first agency uh, brand to win our most awarded agency and network and I just want to say from on behalf of everyone at the creative floor and everyone within the healthcare industry actually just amazing amazing news just congratulations I think you've certainly raised the bar yet again for our industry to really showcase what's possible with everyday briefs so here's your opportunity guys to really thank your teams thank your clients and once you've done that and you can cry and you know all that sort of stuff (laughs) I I would love love to get behind a little bit behind some of that amazing work um, and really share some insights with our audience that people who wouldn't necessarily know about the stories you know the heartaches you know how you got some of that work out people would only know who work at McCann so over to you guys thank away (laughs) well let let me start by just saying uh, you know thank you to Steph and Josh obviously who it's amazing uh, you know that McCann Health New York has really uh, pushed themselves this year. Amazing result. Um, but, from you know, as the global guy, the thing that I'm super excited about is that, you know, almost all of our offices were represented in here. You know, everyone's got something in, which is great. And, you know, my mission, obviously, as the global chief creative officer is to make, you know, make sure all of our offices are as good as our best office. And, um, and that's definitely what uh, we're getting closer to that goal. So, um you know, I definitely want to acknowledge, um, obviously, Steph and Josh and the whole team in McCann Health New York, but, you know, all the offices worldwide who just really, really, uh, you know, pushed ahead in a year that, 
we didn't expect. You know, this has been one of the craziest years of everyone's lives. And, uh, you know, there we, um, you know, just kept pushing and focusing on the work. And I think the result is, is there. So, uh, you know, thank you to them. And thank you to uh, amazing clients around the world who allow us to push creativity and, and you know, really do this on behalf of them. I'd like to start by saying it's Stefan and I's job uh, to make sure that we are not on par with the other offices, frankly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, maybe that's not the right thing to say, but I think we have a, you know, a lot of people who worked really hard across the board. And it's, you know, it's hard to point out exactly specifically who we should be thanking because I think it's the work of everybody there who's, you know, doing even the day-to-day work and sort of the stuff that goes unremarked on that, you know, they did equally deserve credit because I think collectively the agency pulls together to, to make things and, you know, that that sort of enables us to make a few things that get attention. But across the board, if, if everything else isn't working, then, then none of it happens. I think to the, the people keeping the trains running on the day-to-day and building the client relationships are equally important because they're earning us the right to go to clients with things that are a little surprising, um, sometimes a little risky, um, the, the, the brave things that really do stand out in the world. And so um, to, to echo what Josh said, it really is a win that, that feels like it belongs to everybody. It's so hard to get this kind of work up and out in the world. We all know that, right? Um, and so while there were people who put in so much above and beyond time um, on these particular projects, there are many, many others that are, are keeping the rest of the agency afloat and I think a note as well on the clients you know we were so fortunate this year Um, a lot of the work that was recognized was work for our pharmaceutical clients and um, we know that sometimes getting breakthrough work um, through approvals both internally with our clients and um, through the FDA it can be a challenge but we found ways to make that happen and there was some really magical stuff produced this year and so you know we're excited to just ride that momentum and make more of it happen um and so thank you sincerely to clients who showed you know a lot of bravery in the decisions that they made and their willingness to do something that really could make a difference and i think you know in particular um the clients that changed the ref who exhibited bravery like we've never seen yeah it's hard to sort of celebrate that piece of work given where it comes from but um, Manuel and Patricia, who are the Joaquin's parents, are unstoppable. And I think they've lived through such harsh and terrible moments that anything else is easy by comparison. So, you know, it's hard not to be inspired and sort of keep going with them. Um, and I think, but I think, you know, the rest of our clients across the board have been like that as well, especially this year when there's been such a focus on health and wellness and the importance of those things. Like it's, it's become a really central fact of all of our lives. And given the importance, I think it's sort of opened the aperture for bigger and more interesting creative work to come through. And you can, I think you see that across the board, not just from us, but in the industry, that health and wellness, like that focus on health and wellness everywhere and sort of the desire to, to lionize it a little bit more. How demanding have the clients been for that sort of work? Have, have they Are they literally, you know, expecting it or are you surprising and delighting them by you know giving them something that's above and beyond their expectations i think it's a bit of both it's quite interesting uh Shahid. yeah because uh, we've got some clients like, like for me one of the most exciting things is uh you know we did a beautiful piece uh well steph and josh did for uh Entresto, um for novartis uh 
and uh, it's been celebrated at the Creative Floor Awards and a few other awards. And they're uh, they're kind of addicted to it now. <laughs> they they love it and they love the attention that it's getting and they love that it's standing out and getting noticed. Um, so they're they're almost pushing us to make sure everything is of that standard, which is fantastic to have them you know uh, in support and i think a lot of our clients are similar like uh, you know some of our award-winning work for mucinex which josh leads um you know they they want famous work and almost demand it now so um but you know I, I, it's a journey and 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 sometimes uh, you have clients that sort of pull you forward and sometimes we're pushing and pushing and then eventually i think uh, we often find that once they get a taste for it they want to do this kind of breakthrough work and you know they see the value of of doing work that stands out in the marketplace and really gets noticed um so i think you know we're getting to that point which is uh you know great out of interest matt obviously from a global perspective we've all sort of said earlier on it's the the breadth of agencies around the network it's not just you know new york you know creaming all the awards it's 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 across the whole the whole planet really how how involved are you in these projects as they're going through or do you just are you quite surprised when they're all done and go well done <laughs> i'm not sure if the guys would say it but i i, I was thinking i'm probably annoyingly involved i'm like quite quite involved um so my, most of the big projects uh that you know are being represented this year at the creative floor you know i've had a hand in for usually quite a few uh, months beforehand and um, right from the very beginning, which is great. And that's great that we have a team that allows that to happen. But I think one of the other things that has been, I guess, a result of the pandemic is our, our creative leadership is probably closer than we've ever been as a group. Um, we cross collaborate so much now it's amazing and you know it could be simply as simple as something an idea is generated out of new jersey that is art directed out of brazil that ends up running in china or something like and we're you know we're working across two or three offices often um so the 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 team themselves are, are very supportive of each other and, and and sort of contribute skills that one office might not have um, that they need to make something great um so i think a lot of the uh, leadership, creative leadership are involved in a lot of the work certainly not just me that's that's amazing because you know in the most networks who sort of you know say they're connected rarely aren't you know I mean we all know that yes. once they're always in competition it's like well you know our work's better than yours how how on earth do you get Brazil working with China or, or how do you get these three offices to work with each other when they've they've never actually physically met anyone in, in real life how do you do that yeah, I mean, I think we've got um, a pretty, uh, just a pretty unique and generous bunch of people that, that um, you know, we know that there are great strengths and, you know, like Brazil, for instance, is one of our great offices in terms of technology and 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 sort of getting prototypes and things out there. So um, we, uh, you know, we're happy to loop them in on things. And, and I think partly also because this year we sort of moved people around so New Jersey, uh, Bruno Abner, who used to run our office in Brazil, now runs the New Jersey office. So he's involved in that. And then he's, as a result of that, built a strong relationship with Steph and Josh because, you know, he's North America now. Um, and then, you know, then we have people like Japan where Kaki is there, who is just this wonderful sponge for people. Like he, he has brilliant ideas and he wants the support of the network. And everyone is really willing to jump in and help and help make things better. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, Steph and Josh, how you feel, but it feels like a pretty unique bunch of people who just love supporting each other. Yeah, and, you you know, I think, Shahid, we, you, you, you said people you might never have met, you know, pre-pandemic, we would meet occasionally, right? And Matt, Matt would... Uh, host creative leadership gatherings and it just helps to build some glue between people and um even now you know we we do we do meet occasionally as a group and we share you know this good work that we've got um in progress and it's just great to hear people's reactions but i think more importantly kind of discussing how to elevate stuff together and um helping each other figure out how to get uh, work made and you know how to amplify it in the world and so yeah I, I would agree that it is a generous um, group of individuals I've found that most of the best creatives are to be honest <laughs> um, just in terms of um, really celebrating the work together and recognizing the the, the effort that it takes um, and really internalizing something that I think is often said, but I have found it to be true here that, um, you know, when one succeeds, we all succeed. And so, you know, that there is a really nice degree of support. What happens then? I mean, this all sounds wonderful. What happens when you've got, you know, ECD in New York and you've got an ECD in, I don't know, Japan, for argument's sake, and you're working on one thing, but there's a there's a conflict of, of where you think it's going to go, because undoubtedly that is going to happen when you've got leaderships from different parts of the world. Does Matt come in and referee it all? How, how, who wins and how does that work? Um, so I don't know that we've had that situation because you... I, was oh, wow. I don't think it's happened, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's weird. Wow. I mean, yeah. Shahid, I think there's usually... Um, a team or an individual that's owning and leading the idea, right? It's probably come out of their office. And so other people, I think, are weighing in in terms of helping to make it happen or, as Matt said, helping with the technology or the launch in some way. And so I don't think we've had that kind of um, conflict, but I'm sure Mr. Eastwood here would have an opinion if we did. But I also, you know, most senior creatives who love ideas, and when you get one, you can't help but get involved. But if you've done it before, you realize how hard it is, and you know all the, you know that you don't need another opinion or another pair of hands get pulling apart. What you need is someone helping you and pushing you forward. And I think to Steph and Matt's point, that's kind of how it works. Like if someone has an idea and you go to someone else, their goal is to make it better. They don't take it over. They just sort of help kind of push it forward a little bit more. And I think all of us are sort of, as Matt said, egoless enough that we just want the ideas to be better and we want we just want things to sort of come out as good as they can. And, and I think that's sort of the way of working, whereas someone owns the idea, everyone else just kind of piles in. You can't help as a creative director wanting to be involved, but you're just happy to be part of the idea because everyone does feel like they're very idea-driven and that is sort of what comes first. Well, the proof's in the pudding. Right. I mean, yeah. that's um, that I was hoping to get some like secret sauce, but that's a very difficult <laughs> thing to, to, to replicate. So, so good luck to anyone listening wanting to do that. <laughs> I would say that one of the things that does help is we're very, very conscious of sharing the credit. Mm-hmm. 
So if if you help and if you play a significant role, then you get credited on the work. And that, you know, I think that's important because you need because you know you want to feel like if you're contributing and if you're putting in hours and you know they're often after hours, etc., then you know you should be credited. So I think that's a, that's a fantastic thing. And I think the people generating the ideas are generous enough to go. Well, you know that other office helped us out a lot, so they should. Uh, share the credit with us. And and there's a level of generosity in that as well, because certainly I've worked with uh, creative teams and leadership who are like, no, it's all mine. I want my name on it. No one else's. And that just doesn't fly because, you know, then nobody wants to support you. But I think if you're open about sharing the credit, then everyone's like, yeah, I'll jump in, I'll help. Um, And it doesn't become a, a barrier. And let's be honest, in the last year, there have been so many problems getting work out, you know, from the stra- the whole world being in a different mindset to, you know, to the normal everyday barriers. Like, I think all of us realize, like, anything we can do to get a good idea out into the world, like, this is the year to do it, as opposed to sort of squabbling about things that don't matter anymore. I mean, feel free, guys, to do a shout out if you're looking for any creative roles, because I'm sure anyone who's just heard that would want to work for McCann tomorrow. <laughs> well, so... a lot of junior roles, if you're looking for, like, a junior... <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we do have we do have like 150 open recs everywhere, so we've got jobs all over the place at all levels, uh, in all areas, not just creative. So, uh, yeah, send those resumes because we would we would love you know more the merrier. Fantastic. Okay. Well, can we talk about some of the work then? Please. Great. What piece do you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, why don't we why don't we start with? unfinished votes because i think that's probably one of our yeah. our biggest winners and 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 certainly it's got a, a and i'm sure josh will tell you but it, it has a story of of multiple failures of multiple you know it, it that we were trying to get an idea up for them for quite a while and it, it uh it, it took a lot of effort and with a lot of legal challenges so um i think josh if you could talk yeah. about that would i mean be when you talk about matt's involvement i will say it involves many calls late at night where we're going i don't know if this is going to work matt um, he certainly got that call more than once, <laughs> which is never the best. Part of it. Yeah. Three That's times, not the best part of the process. But I think we all knew it would get there. So what happened? What had happened was we had an idea for a gun safety, you know, initiative, and that I'm not going to get into because our lawyers have told me we can't. Because, um, that we were really close to making that we all really, really love, and we'd met the people that changed the ref, and you know, we were ready to go forward with it. And legally, it would have exposed us up to exposed us to some massive liabilities, and I think it was even more aggressive and sort of transgressive in a way than than the unfinished votes. And I think when that when that sort of hit hit the final roadblock, you know, when you go through one of these processes, you always go and you're like, "Here's a problem, let's pivot," and then there's another one, there's another one, and you keep the thing alive. And when you get within and sight of the end line, it's really hard when it finally dies, you know. And I think we were all really crushed by that. But having met Manuel and Patricia, we felt sort of an obligation to do something else. So when that idea finally died, we, we kind of huddled up and regathered and we said, we have to do something. We know what the, the sort of issues around gun safety are. How do we get people voting and sort of acting on to sort of make a change during the election? Because this is our chance to sort of make a huge difference. And we realized when we looked at it that some of the states that, that you know, that helped decide the presidency had been decided by as few as many as 10,000 votes a year. You know, uh, 10,000 votes four years ago during the previous election. And, you know, that's not that many when you consider, I think, you know, how many people are being killed every day by gu- by guns in the United States. I think the statistic is something like 100 people a day are getting shot. 
And we realized if we could find ways to take those 100 votes a day or 100 deaths a day and give them meaning and add them to the column, to the voting, you know, the, gun, the pro gun safety column, that it would make a huge impact. And so that was the, sort of the genesis of the idea. And from there, it was sort of we, we looked at what's the, the sort of most effective and authentic way to do that. And we thought, you know, who would be better to sort of make that argument than someone who'd been killed by guns, someone who'd be the most motivated to sort of vote and, and fight for it. And then from there, it was a matter of just sort of being courageous enough to, to talk to Manuel and Patricia, who frankly made it easy. Who was brave enough to have that initial chat or, or presentation to the parents to say, yeah, we want to bring a son back? Three or four of us met with the parents regularly. And I think we established a bit of a relationship with them because, you know, like when you meet someone whose son has been shot and killed like that, it's very hard for you to say things, you know, to say, oh, you're, you know, before your son was shot or to come at it directly. Like it's easy and abstract, but when you're talking to the parents, I think all of us dance around it. And I got to be honest with you, Manuel and Patricia don't dance around it. They are, they could not be more aware of the fact that their son was shot and killed in Parkland. They lost him. They know how hard it is. And I think it's an open wound for them every single day. But once they felt that, and once they had that experience, everything else is easy. So if you want to talk to them about bringing back their parents, they make it easy. They're encouraging to you. Like I said this before, you know, a couple of times, I've never met anyone who believes in the power of creativity like those two. It is unbelievable because, you know, they're putting everything they have emotionally into this and, you know, they're not afraid and they believe in the power of creativity to change the world in this fundamental way. And they're not, you know, there's, there's nothing stopping them from doing that. And they're always thinking of other ways. So when you have a client like that, who literally encourages you and says, go further, do more. If you want to get sued, let's get sued. Like all these things, then it makes it really easy to have that conversation. So I would say who's most responsible for us being able to present the idea. It's them and their willingness and their openness. I mean, there's no doubt, as you can imagine that, you know, even when we were talking about the idea back in our offices of like, how are we going to say to these parents, we're going to bring your son back to life. And, you know, we, uh, it, it was all, it was harrowing even just to discuss it. Like, are we like, can we do this? Is this just, we talked about, is it bad taste? And, and, you know, it, and in the end we were like, it has to be done. And, you know, I mean, and Josh will tell you, cause he was what the one that sort of presented, you know, the moment I remember when, when we had the likeness and we, we had the, the recording done and we had to show it to them, you know, which is a pretty confronting moment. You know, it was it was interesting because Patricia was very, um, you, you know, you could see she had this big smile on her face of like, this is my son. This is the first time I've seen him in a couple of years. And there he is, sort of a, li- a likeness in front of him. But Manuel was the opposite. You know, he was like, this is fucked. This is fucked. But he, he was angry, but he said, but we have to do it. This is so important. We have to do it, even though he knew how how upsetting it was to do. Um, and to Josh's point, that kind of courage and belief in support of creativity and, and doing the right thing, even if it's hard, it's just, God, it was so motivating. And, and, and as Josh said, we just never gave up because we couldn't on their behalf. And there were, uh, you know, a thousand twists and turns. Like, you don't expect to never be able to take another picture of your son. And that's what, ha- that's what happens. So like with deep fake, you need a lot of imagery and things like that. They didn't have it, you know, not through any fault of their own, like, but you know, they, when you take a photo, you're not really thinking that's the last time you can get that photo or get another photo. And 
So like the process of actually building the deep fake was hard, but that was all mechanical. I think the hardest part was just sort of going to them and getting their buy-in. And, and also, like, I think we felt a real onus on doing it right and being respectful and sort of making sure this didn't feel like a gratuitous advertising idea, but actually felt like something real and honest. And I think, frankly, like the production value of that is a bit limited because of our source material, but the authenticity and the emotional honesty of it is what carries that piece. Frankly. How did you do his voice? And and were you referencing with the parents along that yeah. and how he the words that he would say? So I don't know how much you know about deep fake, but you need someone like there's it can do amazing things, and we've tried some other techniques. But with deep fake, the AI can sort of change someone's face, but the bone structure has to be kind of similar. And we actually did quite a bit of casting to find someone who not only could act and portray that sort of emotional honesty, but also looked looked and felt a little bit like Joaquin, and then in addition sounded like him. Because, um, like, you know, you can do all that deep fake with voice and things like that. We didn't want to do that. And frankly, we didn't have enough data to do that, if we, even if we wanted to. So we, we were really lucky. We found a good actor, actually quite a good actor named Joel, who is built somewhat similarly to Joaquin and who grew up in the same part of, like, the same area as Joaquin. And we found him up in New York. But, um, and then we coached him with uh, Joaquin's parents and some friends I think, you know, like some, some people who are close to him who really helped us understood, not understand not just the, the sort of um, way that he talked, but the energy and the motivations. And Joel was really, really good about sort of channeling all of that. And, you know, we shifted his voice a little bit. You know, I think that was what when Matt was saying when, when his parents saw him, they were like, this is as close as we can get. And it's so close, but it'll never quite be our son. And I think that was a really striking kind of emotional moment for the rest of us, you know, and we, we filmed it cause you know, that's what you do in advertising, but it felt like this really sort of like touching moment. I think there are times there, I know there are times as a matter of fact that everybody who worked on the piece kind of teared up by themselves, you know, behind off camera, you know, but Manuel and Patricia just, they never let it stop. And I think they believe in the power of, of, of what we're doing, what they're doing really. And you, you can't help but kind of go along with them. What what were the hair raising moments in that whole project? There, I think the first time they saw him, as Matt said, was like that was stunning, you know. Or like when we realized that they just didn't have enough photography. Those are sort of the big ones. Well, I think yeah, probably as you said, as Josh said, um, the way the way deep fake normally works. Like if you're doing a deep fake of a famous actor, then you take a thousand pieces of video and you feed them all in, and it builds a story from that. But you need that that bulk story, bulk footage to build the image we had like six pieces of video so we just didn't have enough and the guy the, the production team actually invented a new process uh, it's sort of not it's deep fake but not so what they did is created a 3d model of joaquin of his likeness and then filmed that in a way uh, you, uh, and sort of created the deep fake from the model of him um so you know and and because at the beginning at the beginning when we were first doing it we were looking at what the what the AI was creating and we we're like that's terrible that just doesn't look like him at all <laughs> yeah so um oh and that's actually when we, we thought it was going to fall over because we just couldn't do it and then you know the production company came up with this new idea of how to deliver it and um and that's the reason it came back uh, you know as a live project again thank god because um you know it was amazing but it was it was not it was not like doing a deep fake of Brad Pitt because there's so much footage of him he just didn't have it you know i think the i have to give credit we're talking about credit 
Let's give a lot of credit to Light Farm, who are a production company who figured this out. And also Framestore, who, despite not sort of being the main drivers on it, were happy to contribute their expertise as well so that everybody can kind of work together to kind of create this new way of doing deep fake. Because as Matt says, what normally happens is you take a piece of film, you under the AI understands what this person's face looks like in, every, like in every angle and sort of maps that over somebody. Since we didn't have the face in every angle, what we did is we kind of created enough perfect composite imagery of uh, Joaquin. And then you, what we did is we trained, uh, so we had like one really excellent piece of film or one excellent sort of representation of, of Joaquin. And then we trained the AI almost like a human artist so that it understood what faces generally looked at. It looked at thousands and thousands of faces, every light, every expression. And then from that, it kind of extrapolated what Joaquin would look like in any situation and painted those over our, uh, over our actor. It was a totally different way of doing things. And it was like, it, we didn't know it was going to work until it did. And I think those are some of those calls that Matt got saying like, nope, not today. <laughs> nope, not today. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, it is an it, it's a spectacular spectacular piece of work. It, it is absolutely fantastic because it's such a sensitive topic. Certainly, you know, out in the US, did you get any? You must have, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sort of aware of it. Any like negative reaction when when you watched yes, it? Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. The, um, so Fox News, for anyone who's not familiar, tends to be on the opposite side of the gun safety debate as uh, change the ref. And, you know, Chains Ref is very careful to say gun safety, not gun control. They're not advocating for taking guns out of people's hands. They just want some more pragmatic safety measures in place. But, you know, it's a triggering sort of, pardon the pun, terrible pun, but it's a triggering sort of uh, issue in the States. And I think for that reason, not only did this sort of hit sort of instantly with people who are in favor of gun safety, but it also hit instantly on the other side. So it was, I think it was number one trending on Fox News that day. And in fact, we saw a number of pieces done by sort of very conservative right-wing video bloggers just just horrified by it and sort of going in the opposite direction, saying, how can they bring back a dead kid to do this, to do a PSA, you know, and, and sort of being very accusatory. And I think all the things that most that those of us who sort of are advocating for responded to, I think they they hated for exactly the same reasons, but it was... Whether you loved it or you hated it, I don't think it was easily ignored, and that I think was the the power of it. Yeah, I mean that was the good thing about uh, Manuel and Patricia is they were very they're very used to that. We were not used to it, but there was a lot of hate on on their Twitter feed and and you know where it where it was showing up and people sort of calling us out and how disgusting it was to abuse this boy and bring him back like and and we were I don't know we were a little bit put out by it but they are like this is the journey like this is this is what we're going through so their strength helped us i think which but it's uh you know it's hard to do something that contentious and and just soldier on through that kind of pushback i'm sure you know there was there was equally equally as much love for it too yeah there was a lot of yeah exactly and you know you see the the good morning britain news reporters when they watched it on on air and you know those two women were just you could see the tears in their eyes that they're like, this is just unbelievable. And so that's, you know, that keeps you going and you realize it's impactful and, um, and, and you and just sold it. We had no intention of it going outside of North America, but I remember getting a call from a friend from Dublin, you know, who, who said he had just seen it. And I was 
kind of blown away by that. Yeah, I saw it on TV. I think, yeah, I saw it on GMTV as well. Um, it, yeah, I mean, I think when you when you see someone like that for the first time, you sort of, it, you know, you remember how you felt because you're like, wow. You know, I mean, this this sort of kid's sort of life beyond the grave has sort of just found a, a new purpose. You know, it's a lovely legacy, um, certainly for, for his, his family and friends too. Yeah. And that's yeah. very much what Manuel and Patricia say. I think they did not change. They changed one line of everything we wrote. I think I had written, you know, so please listen to what my dead son has to say. And Patricia changed it. And she said, take the word dead out because – he might be gone and he might technically be dead, but Joaquin is still having the impact on the world. So listen to what my son has to say. And we made that change. And it's really hard to argue with that. And I think it was, it's fair because if you look, you know, change the ref and Joaquin are continuing to do amazing things. And, and, you know, like that sort of mindset was, was sort of astounding to all of us. Yeah. Wow. And is there anything next for change the ref with you guys we definitely uh you know we've said to manuel that we'll we'll keep partnering um and doing whatever we can because you know it actually did the great thing is it did have a result and the in the election this the previous one uh the biden election you know they more gun sense candidates were elected than ever before which is great so it definitely i mean it's many other things happened it wasn't just this but it's definitely had a result and that's going and when that legislation gets to congress it, it will be important to have those kind of people voting for it but it's not over by any stretch so we've got a lot more to do and we will keep doing it with them um uh we just got to think of what's our next impossible idea is that how you is that how you set out at the beginning like let's do something impossible is that how it actually works <laughs> well I, th- I, I in a way but i think what we realize is that it's a topic that people talk about a lot in the us so you have to do something to step, to rise above all that so and that's where you've got to you know dip deep into creativity and and really deliver something that almost feels impossible because otherwise it's not going to be noticed you know i didn't i didn't want to work on it and do something that just kind of floated by people and you know made its point but didn't make an impact you know there's no doubt this this made an impact and uh good and bad so uh and that that that's the ambition really is to kind of stand out amongst the noise and the ambivalence yeah i i was i was just going to say that that is a kind of directive that josh and i give to people we have you know teams come forward with uh, great ideas all the time and some of them are wonderful but our response back is often it's not audacious enough um to, to matt's point to stand out and be noticed whether it's in gun safety or in anything else um you, you have to have a high degree of ambition and a high degree of difficulty and that's not to say that there aren't smaller wonderful wins to be celebrated right but um it, it really does i think serve us to be audacious at least at the outset (laughs) i think we've done a couple of very very difficult things it would be nice to do a couple of um less difficult but still striking things but to matt's point the goal is always to make an impact if it's wallpaper then nobody's paying attention if it like in today's media world and with especially in topics like gun safety it's so easy to be ignored and for people to, to fall into the perceptual screen that everybody has that if nobody notices it, then you've wasted your time completely. And I think across the board, the three of us all feel very strongly that 
that if it's not making a difference and it's not the very least sort of something that's striking and people notice, then it's probably not worth doing. Totally. I, I think it was John Hegarty that said the most important or the most valuable space is the one in between your ears. Um, and this certainly yeah. sort of stays there. What probably everyone loves about it is that the technology, even though it was very technical and new technology was built for it, it wasn't the idea. Mm. The, the idea was still at the heart. The technology yeah. just allowed it to, you know, to basically bring a dead person back to life. And we did talk about easier ways to do it, but there just weren't any, frankly. That would have felt right. Do you want to cover anything off with this case study? I think let, let's talk about another one. Okay, cool. Let's squeeze one more in. What would you like to talk about? Well, I think the CO2 inhaler would be great, and, and Steph was very involved in that too, so uh, that uh, that'd be good. Yeah. I must say, out of all the things that I, I – know, again, I don't get to judge the Creative Floor Awards, but obviously I have the privilege of, of seeing all the entries. This was my favourite out of the whole lot. And, and interestingly, Tim Jones asked me to write an article for Advertising Health before Can to sort of punt some guesses. And I, I put this one as the Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe that's another podcast in <laughs> no it's funny because somebody 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 interviewed me and said after can i said you know is there a dis- is there anything you're disappointed about and i said well i'm disappointed that co2 inhaler didn't get recognized more because i i'm with you i think this is you know you, you think about world changing ideas this is world changing you know and it's yes it's not as uh, uh as out in the world yet but because it's still a prototype stage but you know i i look for things that genuinely you know our our sort of mission at McCann Health is to leave the world healthier than how we found it and that is going to do that most definitely so I I'm, I was surprised but you know you never know do you it still sends sort of shivers down me just thinking about it because I've worked with AstraZeneca before and they are very tough <laughs> very tough in yeah. my experience of getting anything really creative out and the fact that this is again it, it sort of ticks all those boxes doesn't it it's simple it's scalable it changes the world it's of a moment it's all about even just reducing carbon emissions you know it's it's got everything it's just amazing and you know I don't have asthma but you know, if I had asthma, I'd want one of those inhalers. Yeah. <laughs> so, Stephanie, tell us, tell us how you did yeah, it. Yeah. Well, I, I think that um, what's interesting, right? You you can take ambitious things, difficult things, to clients, and if it if it's not really aligned with where they're heading as an organization or what their business goals are, you can forget it, and that that doesn't mean that you have to just settle for. Um, you know, the, the, the day-to-day work or the day-to-day asks that a client is bringing to you, right? They will tell you what they need or what they think they need. I think it's our job to kind of do that and the trust and then go back with things that they maybe haven't thought of. And I think this would be one, you know, we've, we've worked on the respiratory business for many years, but within AstraZeneca, there is a zero carbon commitment. They want to get to a zero carbon impact by 2030. And so it's already part of their organizational thinking. And so it it wasn't that we were taking something to them that wasn't aligned with a purpose or a mission that they already have. So that helps. That said, it's still not an easy thing to get, you know, um, sold in or even produced. Um, I I think what I had so loved about this idea from the outset was that it's just such a beautifully strategic way of solving a problem. Um, As you will have seen in the the case study, air pollution kills millions of people 
every year. Um, you know, that that's a, a fact. And carbon dioxide itself exacerbates um, respiratory conditions in people who've got uh, COPD and who have asthma. And those are the folks that, you know, are using inhalers and so how freaking beautiful <laughs> that the very thing that exacerbates your condition and makes it worse is being used to deliver the medication that is helping you uh, to cope with your condition in some cases helping to keep you alive um, and so you know it, it, it was the really the first time that um, pollution carbon dioxide specifically has been used to help patients breathe better I mean, we're, we're always looking for tension, right, in creative work. And, and that is just such a, a mind mess. Um, I, I, I just love the the insight and the thinking behind it. And so I think, you know, that there has been a lot of research done in the area of converting carbon dioxide into plastics over the course of the last decade. There's, there's a guy, um, Jeff Coates, who uh, works out of Cornell. He's a chemist there. Um, very respected researcher in this area. And as I say, he's been, he's been at it for many years. And so um, we approached him to, to, you know, get some understanding of the plastic. I know more about plastic than I ever thought I would. Kinds <laughs> 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 of plastics. Um, you know, the, uh, an, an inhaler, it's a, it's a hard plastic, right? Many other kinds of plastics are softer, more pliable, malleable plastics, but you need a very particular kind of material to make an inhaler. And so he was tremendous help. And he's one of the founders of a company called Novoma. And so they are producing um, these uh, uh, plastics made out of uh, carbon dioxide. And so, um, you know, we, we had the material which sat incidentally in the, the creative director um, who, who was behind this idea. It sat in his freezer <laughs> a long time. Wow. <laughs> we're figuring out how to get it made and you know how, how do you transport this plastic to the um the guy who's who's gonna you know make the original prototype and and so you, you know it, it was a little bit um of, of a a journey figuring out where the material was going to come from um you know how to work with that um but the, you know the client we, we had a a brave client who I think saw the potential of this and um, you know they are um, considering now that you know the practicalities of how, how to make this happen at scale in order to contribute to that carbon yeah. emission yeah. yeah and I, I think to me that's one of the great things about uh, like something like creative floor acknowledging this is a great idea spurs on our clients to really get behind the idea and and because you know, it's one. As Steph said, it's one thing to get the the idea accepted by the organisation as a prototype, and we love where this is going. But we need to get it into mass mass production, um, and that that has other, you know, there's challenges there in terms of, uh, you know, we're talking about a retooling an entire production line, etc. So it's you know, it's not it's not going to be cheap, but but it's as their mission. So I think I think as you know, some someone like the Creative Floor giving this a spotlight really helps us and really helps us in that discussion with clients because it um, it helps them recognize that this is an important and a valid idea that could you know change the world a little bit um, so you know it'll, it'll it'll give them the passion to keep pushing because you know it's not over till it's over I think and we're uh, you know we're we're still going to try we've got to get it on the production line so that it's so it gets in the hands of 
millions of people, um, not just hundreds. It's all in the judges' hands, really. And I think part of the benefit of the judges that we do have don't all come from healthcare mm. agencies. They don't really come with any preconceived idea of who did it, whether they like that agency or person or not. So it's sort of really, you know, people are just really viewing the ideas for what they are rather than, you know, whatever nonsense goes on. <laughs> yes. What's wonderful about it, as you, to your point, Matt, is, you know, the whole idea of award shows, I think, really is to basically help everyone create better work year on year by going to their clients and going I know you want that detail aid here you go but but to your point Stephanie if you understand what the corporate vision is if you understand where their strategy is and how you can help them get there through creativity with amazing ideas like this then you know if if more than just McCann Health are bringing ideas like this to the table if we get two or three agencies doing that next year and you multiply that again you know in four or five years time this will be the norm which is just so exciting yeah 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 exactly and look and we've put a program in place within the company uh, which we call Plus One, which is all about what's the thing that they haven't asked for that's going to help them reach their um, goals as a company. And this is definitely a Plus One idea. As Steph said, nobody gave us a brief to solve this problem, but we were like, we under we we spend time understanding what the company agenda is, and then go back with ideas that fit that. Um, and and you know that's not not every agency is prepared to sort of go off into the blue sky yonder and just think of ideas because they're off brief they're out of scope they're generally not covered by cost at the beginning because it's not what the clients asked you for but but eventually if you get it right and if it's spot on as steph said they will jump on board and they will support it and they will pay for it so i think you know you've got to get you've got to believe in the power of creativity just to uh, kind of push companies forward and, and i think we do so that's that's where this is so rewarding because it came from you know just came from the heads of some of our people and next thing you know it's this huge thing because i think a lot of agencies would actually benefit and a lot of creatives will really benefit from hearing that matt this whole idea that you you're you know you're investing your time you know that you don't have you're investing money that you don't have in in which is essentially organic growth how did you get that sold into management was it just a very easy sell of like we have to allocate additional time and resources to this or was it is it a constant fight uh it wasn't an easy sell no and uh actually steph led the charge within um can help new york so she knows but um yeah i mean it was a sort of a platform idea that uh i wanted to get out there because of, of all the reasons i just said um and then we went office by office cfo by cfo um, and sort of validated and justified why it was important. Um, and, you know, even to your point, Shahid, like sh organic growth is easier than pitches, to be honest. So I'm like, why would we not spend a percentage of our time focusing on projects that can grow organically within clients we already have than spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars pitching for a client we don't have, where we don't have as a big as, as good a chance. So, yeah, it was, you know, it took a while to convince uh, you know, leadership, uh, you know, I, I convinced uh, my global partner, John Cahill, uh, and he got on board, but you still got to convince, you know, presidents of, you know, a, a dozens of offices around the world that it's worth doing because they control their own P&Ls. And luckily, they're pretty much all on board and are now seeing the value because we've delivered quite a number of projects. Um, you know, Steph, if we have time, can talk about another one that we did for Novartis for Entresto, which was also uh, a plus one idea out of New York. and you know, that's gone on to be incredibly important and 
we certainly earned the money back because they paid for it, et cetera, but they didn't ask us for it. Um, uh, and so I think, yeah, you gotta you got to take those chances. Matt, what was, what was great about the plus one was being able to figure out how in each office to make it work. And it was really collaboration yeah. because I think, you know, I've seen similar initiatives um, in other agencies maybe not succeed as well because it's it's really creative people just keep running at the wall and creative people alone can't do it you have to have the support of the strat team the business leadership opening the door with the client the the you know agency financial folks allowing you a little time to to you know do that initial thinking and so it really was very collaborative in terms of how can we make this workable and sustainable within, you know, the the parameters of this particular organization in New York. And so, you know, we're still kind of fine-tuning how we approach it um, and, and really make the most out of it. But it's it's I, I think it's been a you know a, a terrific program and we have had a number of successes. And what I've liked about it, when it works well, as I say, it's not just the I mean the creative people might be the ones coming forward with the ideas, although you know, not always, but there are other people supporting that charge. And so it really is kind of pulling in and pulling teams together in the service of let's go make something magical. And increasingly I think clients kind of demand that, right? More yeah. and more clients want an agency that's thinking about their business in more ways than or in taking their business to heart and thinking about how to bring it to life in more ways than just sort of what they've been briefed on. And I think that's, that's just a good relationship as you move forward. And, you know, nothing great happens unless your partner's on the business. And I think it behooves us as an agency to demonstrate that at times. Fantastic. It's really cool. Do you want to squeeze one more in? Yeah. Cool. Talk a little bit about Entresto. <laughs> yeah. Which was change of heart. And to Matt's point, that was a really nice plus one. It, it, it was it was <laughs> such a lovely project, and um, that you know it was the um, really the the uh, business lead came forward uh, to the creative folks, um, and and it was the, together they looked for where you know they could make a difference to the client's business in a way that you know wasn't directly being asked for, and so. Um, they they came up with the idea of doing an MOA style video, but really done very differently. And you know, it's it's patient facing, um, and so it actually tells quite a technical story, um, a story of you know a change in the structure of the heart. Um, but it's done in such a kind of whimsical way. You know, the change of the animation style reflecting. Uh, you know, that structural, physical change, but it it really taps into the power of music um, to help people pay attention and remember. And it's an earworm, you know, once you hear that kind of... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The ditty, you can't get it out of your head for the rest of the day. It's it's really amazing stuff. And, you know, we spoke to a... um, a neuroscientist who was explaining that the, the reason for that, you know, um, in terms of where different centers are located in the brain. But yeah, it, it was, it's such, to, to me, it is a copywriting feat of genius, not just to write it in the first place, <laughs> but to take it. Can you imagine the rounds of med 
medical regulatory legal approval that that went through and having to rewrite it time and again I I, I was just so impressed who wrote it was it was it one of yeah, your guys yeah. or, or did you have to no, go outside um, well the music was composed externally the music yeah, was outside Dan yeah. Franks one of our valiant creative directors uh wrote, wrote the words yeah are they a musician is she no, not a, she no is, is she? Good writer, so. <laughs> well done yeah, but you know, I've seen people attempt things like that before, and so, and sometimes it can be cringy yeah. and and uh, you know and, and just like really cheesy. But I think uh, you know, especially when you're singing a brand yeah. name, and it's like you go, oh no, no, it's. A dick. But I think it was so beautifully, uh, kind of as as Steph said, sort of just kind of hitting the exact right tone of voice that it's just it's a joy to watch and a joy to listen to and. Um, and, and, you know, as I said at the beginning, it, it, our, our clients are just in love with it and they're getting, you know, they look, we're all human beings and they're getting kudos and pats on the back within their own organization. And I think they're like, oh, I like how this feels. I wouldn't mind another pat on the back. So let's yeah, do something exactly. else. Um, so, <laughs> contagious, yeah. Right? so, yeah, you know, um, so, uh, so we're, we're like, what's next for uh, Entresto? It's great, actually, because I think, again, when you sort of look at pharmaceutical healthcare specific work, I mean, music actually is quite an uncharted creative territory when it's sort of so bespoke and wonderfully done. I think the last song from an ad that I can remember that was, you know, you hear it once and basically you just can't get it out of your head until you go to sleep was maybe Dumb Ways to Die. Yeah. Yes. And, and that wasn't even pharma. You know, that was just sort of. Yeah, yeah. Sort of a consumer. That was life. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that was real, real life. But, but yeah, this was great. I, again, another, another little area for us as an industry to look at rather than just sort of download something from audio network and just whack it on, like sort of that tends to be the way, you know, actually just can really consider it as a way to communicate and, and craft it to your own means. It's just really cool. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, the thing for us as well is, um, you know, I, I mean, we love, uh, we love, love, love working with uh, Change the Ref, et cetera. But, you know, people criticize you, you know, and they go, well, it's easier to do something for gun control, isn't it? And it's like, which it isn't. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, you know, we yeah. wanna, <laughs> it's still hard to stand out. But, you know, we want we wanted to, we want to make sure our biggest clients get our best work as well. And so that's why I'm so gratified that this is for Novartis and the CO2 control, uh, inhaler was for uh, AstraZeneca. Like these are, these are not small fly-by-night clients. So you go, well, of course you can squeeze it through them. It's like these are, as you said, Shahid, these are some of the toughest clients to get great work through. And um, and I think that's, you know, I, I applaud the teams and the, the account people and everyone to for their passion to keep the these ideas alive and, and get them out in the world. I think I'm talked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do want to just give a shout out to our wonder boy, Tim Jones, who we all miss because he was involved in a lot of these projects. And even though he's not at the agency anymore, you know, I think it would be remiss of us not to say thanks for all his contribution, um, even though we think he's a bastard. For <laughs> us, but, you know, <laughs> I think he'll take so, that as a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we miss him and we wish him well, but we and thank you for all yeah. he did as well. I mean, what a way to leave. You know, um, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he'll be back. Don't worry, he'll be back, no doubt. He'll yeah, that's what I said to him. <laughs> yeah, he'll be back, no doubt. So my last question to all of you, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. You've done incredibly well. There's loads of work. But if you were to pick one as your favourite, 
what would it be? Oh, <laughs> oh that one. I was with you, Saheed. I, I, uh, it, it, it just the, I think, uh, the tension in the insight and just such a, a beautiful solution that the thing that's causing the problem is the thing that solves the problem. So that, that for me was just such a nice, tight, strategic insight. I'm in the same place. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I, of course, I am so proud to have uh, been involved in Change the Ref, and I think we're changing the world there. But I think the CO2 inhaler is, uh, is a big enduring ongoing idea that i think uh you know will continue to change the world for many many years to come so very proud of that i'm gonna go a little bit different from these guys as normally is the case maybe it's just the contrarian in me but um i'm gonna go with the entresto piece because i never would have come up with that frankly like i'm so impressed with those guys for taking what could have been a mundane piece of, of communication and making it more than it would have been and i you know I think doing pieces like the CO2 inhaler and change the ref are like are fantastic and everybody wants those in their, in their history and they want to be attached to those kind of pieces. But to take that level of creativity and take something that you do every day and, and combine those two things to me is sort of like, that's a, what's the right way to put it? That is just like an awesome amount of sort of ambition and, and sort of aspiration in a way that maybe we don't recognize as an industry as much. And I, I applaud that tremendously. It's a tough decision to make because there's so much awesome work. <laughs> I actually have a little shout out for you. Have you heard of Brett the Hitman Hart? Of course. Hi, this is Brett the Hitman Hart. You really are the excellence of execution and you are the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Congratulations on a job well done. There you go. He's he's going to be doing some <laughs> shout outs uh, at our, our award show. So there you go. It's amazing. Uh, Wait a minute. I'll take yeah, I need to hear more about this. These guys aren't <laughs> awestruck as much as they should be. <laughs> <laughs> I was awestruck. I was awestruck. But anyway, people who know who he is will be awestruck, and people who don't will be Googling him. That's amazing. I would love to have that sound clip. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's on this podcast, That's so you've got it forever. That's great. So that can be your alarm in the morning, Judge. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that I could get away with having that be my, you know, my sound as I call you. I'll send it to you separately if you want. I'll send it to you separately. <laughs> I would appreciate that greatly. Yeah, you guys don't understand. Brett the Hitman was like an icon during my childhood. Yeah, well, he still is. He still is for me. I just want his hair. <laughs> but anyway, I want to congratulate you for this year. It's an amazing achievement. Please bask in this glory. <laughs> Please, and I'm sure you will. You'll be celebrating big time with your teams. Well done again, and thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. We'll see you next Thanks, year. <laughs> thank you. All winning work can now be seen on our website at thecreativefloor.com slash awards. And if you do enjoy listening to these podcasts, please do subscribe and share whenever possible.